You are listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, happy Sunday, everybody. Today we are continuing the series that we started last week called He Gets Us. And we're talking about this idea of how God has come near to us in the person of Jesus Christ, who came to this planet in flesh and blood, has walked in our shoes. He gets us because he's been one of us. Like he understands what it is to be human. He experienced the full range of human emotions and experiences. And speaking of that today, I want to talk to you about a topic that is so prevalent in our culture today. I want to talk to you about Anger, anger. Now hold that thought for just a moment. You know, New York is known for being a place where people have a little bit of an edge. How many of you know we're kind of famous for that around the world, around this nation? You know, we're not known, New Yorkers aren't known for being the most polite, patient people (laughs) in traffic on the subway, in crowds of people. And and I think maybe we get so used to it that we don't even notice it anymore. (laughs) Patrick Lincioni, uh, who's a great leadership author and expert. Some of you in the business world have read some of his books. You'll recognize that name. Uh, Patrick Lincioni, I heard him tell a funny story one time. It was based on a, a cartoon that he saw that depicted a man from LA and a man from New York. And the man from LA, he said, good morning. And there was a little bubble that showed what he was really thinking. And what he was really thinking was, screw you. And then it showed the guy from New York and he said, screw you, pal. But what he was really thinking was, good morning. <laughs> In New York, sometimes it's the same. Screw you, good morning. You know what I'm talking about? But we're living in a cultural moment where anger is kind of the it emotion. Like anger is so celebrated in our culture right now. Like this is the one emotion that we've all been empowered and given permission to vent, to express to its fullest extent. In fact, if you went on social media today, and you went on a rant about something, watch how people will come along and celebrate you. You'll be getting heart emojis, high fives, like you tell them, you let them hear it. It is the it emotion in the culture that we're living in right now. And it seems like every time we turn around right now, there's something to be angry about. There are so many things that trigger us. Come on, how many of you get triggered sometimes? Can we just have an open, honest moment in church? We have triggers. Let me just talk to you about a few of the most common triggers right now in our world. The first one I would say is a culture of divisiveness. Divisiveness. I mean, in particular, political division is at all-time high. I know in my lifetime, I'm already dreading the presidential election next year. It's like, do we have to do this again? Do we actually have to elect the president? Because I don't know if I can survive that again. Anybody with me? So much division. How many of you would admit you've ever been sucked into a political argument before that just made your blood boil? And it happens without you even realizing it, right? You harmlessly begin to share your opinion about something, thinking they're a sensible, logical person. Of course they think the way I do. And then as they begin to speak and share their opinion, you start thinking, how could you be so stupid? Like, how could you think that, right? Or somebody posts something on social media that is the exact opposite of the truth, the exact opposite of reality, and you are the one person in the world who needs to go in their comments and set them straight and help them see things accurately, How'd that work out for you? (laughs) Divisiveness, divisiveness. 
Then there, is, there, there are injustices, injustice. There are real injustices in our world to be angry about in this world that we're living in right now. There's racial injustice. There's gun violence injustice. I don't know about you, but my blood does boil when I see headlines like we've had this past week. Like you can ring the wrong doorbell and get shot in this country. Like there should be moral outrage for us as Christians when we look at the, the violence in this nation and the lack of value for life in this nation. I get angry when I put on the TV and I see news stories of innocent civilians in, in Ukraine being bombed by a madman. I start yelling at the TV. There are some injustices in this world that are worth getting angry about. And then there are offenses. There are the everyday personal offenses that we experience. Someone gossips about us. Someone takes advantage of us. Someone criticizes us, trolls us on social media, cuts us off in traffic, or maybe your kids trash the house after you clean it. Okay, now I'm just venting, I'll be honest. <laughs> we all have our triggers, okay? I have mine. <laughs> Offenses, we, we experience them. And all of this anger, it takes a toll on us, doesn't it? I think we're kind of having a, a, a collective wake-up moment in the post-COVID world that anger has taken such a toll on, on our well-being. It's strained relationships. I mean, we all know somebody, maybe you've experienced this, where you've literally lost a relationship or a lifelong friendship over a moment of disagreement, a political argument or, or some, some outburst of anger. Um, it's affected our ability to connect with people, to engage with people and listen and learn from other people. It's caused us to live with less peace. We have less psychological peace. For some of us, it's actually affecting our health. How many of you know that emotional strain over time will actually manifest itself physically? Your, your body keeps score. Your body keeps score. And there's this sense that like this is taking a toll on us. And so the question is, what do we do about it? Well, we're in a series talking about how Jesus can relate to us, how he gets us. And guess what? I got some encouraging good news for you today. How many of you are ready to be encouraged? I'm going to encourage you today. Even Jesus got angry. Did you know that? Even Jesus got angry. For example, Jesus often got angry at his disciples when they missed the point when they didn't understand the point of his teaching, when they didn't understand the point of his ministry, when their hearts were hardened, he got angry, especially with, with uh, the apostle Peter. Have you read the gospels? Jesus got angry at his own followers at times. Jesus got angry at the Pharisees for their hypocrisy and for the way they oppressed people. He, he reserved a lot of his anger for the religious leaders of his time. Jesus got angry at the money changers in the temple. How many of you ever read that story where Jesus went into the temple and he said, you've, my, house is, my, my house is meant to be a house of prayer. You've made it, made it into a den of thieves and robbers. And Jesus starts flipping over tables and he makes a whip. And I love this painting of Jesus here, angry Jesus. Come on, most of you growing up, you saw pictures of Jesus as peaceful Jesus holding a lamb or something like that. But here's Jesus in a power pose. He's like, get up out of here. Get out of my temple right now. You've desecrated this place. And Jesus, he got angry and he gets us. He gets the, he gets the human experience. He experienced anger. And yet the scripture tells us that Jesus was without sin. Jesus was without sin. He knew how to handle his anger. He knew what to do with this human emotion of anger. And so the question is, what can we learn from Jesus's example? What can we, we learn from how Jesus responded to situations that triggered him? Because evidently, Jesus got triggered. And I want to give you three ways that Jesus responded to outrageous situations. Because you and me, we're living in outrageous times, aren't we? There's social injustice around us. 
There's so much division around us. We have our own personal offenses and things that we, we go through. How do we navigate this world so, so that we don't get so caught up in it that we're living with no peace of mind, with no well-being? And, and I know in a room this size, there are some of us, we are being affected by these everyday tensions. I want to give you three ways that Jesus responded to outrageous situations. I think we can learn a lot from his example. Are you ready? Here's the first one. Number one, Jesus resisted the temptation to retaliate. Come on, everybody say retaliate. Jesus, he resisted the temptation to retaliate. You see, Jesus, he experienced people trolling him. Jesus had haters. He had people who showed up when he preached. You know what the religious leaders did? They showed up and they listened to Jesus preaching and they challenged him. They would ask him questions. They would challenge him to debates. They tried to discredit him. They even spread rumors about him. They told people that the source of Jesus's power in ministry was the devil. They said Jesus, the son of God, was possessed. They spread rumors about him. And, and Jesus, even when he went to his own hometown of Nazareth, you would think his own hometown would give him a break. You know how they responded to Jesus's ministry? In one episode in Luke chapter four, we read about how they tried to kill Jesus. Jesus had opposition. Jesus had criticizers. Jesus had haters. And yet he didn't retaliate. He didn't take the bait. There's no better example than the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested. Let's look at it from Luke chapter 22, verse 47 through 53. This is right before Jesus goes to the cross. It says, while he was still speaking, a crowd came up and the man who was called Judas, one of the 12, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? When Jesus's followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Now in other gospels, we find out that the disciple who wielded the sword and cut off the high priest's servant's ear was none other than Peter. And Jesus rebukes Peter for cutting off the servant's ear. He's like, follow my lead. I didn't tell you to do that. It's kind of a comical moment in some way. And then Jesus literally picks up this guy's ear and, and heals it and restores this man. Now, whenever I read this story, I'm always kind of happy that Peter defends Jesus. I'm like, come on, Peter, you go get him. Don't let him mess with my Jesus. Go ahead and wield that sword and cut somebody's ear off. That is the human response. Oh, don't judge me. Y'all don't ever read the scriptures like that? Some of y'all would have definitely, y'all would have wielded the sword first and asked questions later. And it seems like, you know, this is the, a very appropriate human reaction. It seems like the high priest servant got what he deserved. Here he is trying to arrest an innocent man, arrest the son of God, arrest Jesus Christ himself. But Jesus resists the urge to retaliate. And the question I have is, why is that so hard for us? Why is that so hard for us? I think that's really hard for us because deep down in our bones, we feel like we have the right to get even with people. We feel like it's our right to retaliate, that we're justified, that someone owes us when they've offended us, when someone has mistreated us, when someone has gossiped about us, when someone has wronged us. We feel it like deep down in our bones, and there's such a human reaction, we feel like it's our right to retaliate. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus resisted the urge to retaliate. See, he understood this, for the cycle of violence to be broken, whether it's physical or verbal, someone has to forgive. 
The tit-for-tat cycle can only be broken by someone forgiving. Jesus understands that it takes an act of forgiveness to break the power of evil. And this is why forgiveness is so hard for us, because in order to forgive, you have to absorb the injustice. You feel what that person did to you. You feel how they wronged you and what they did hurt and what they did wasn't right. We don't minimize that. The whole thing about, you know, forgive and forget, that's not so easy. You're, you, you felt it for, for a reason. But in order to, to forgive, someone has to absorb the injustice. And isn't that what Jesus did on the cross? He went to the cross and he absorbed the injustice of our sin. He absorbed the injustice of what people were doing to him. He absorbed the violence that was, being, that was taking place against him. And he exposed it for what it was. He exposed it for what it was. See, when we respond to injustice with peace, and goodness, it exposes injustice for what it is. Let me give you an example, okay? Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he understood this. See, his strategy during the civil rights movement was nonviolent, peaceful protest. There were many people around him who were advocating for, for violent protests to react, okay? I believe Malcolm X at one point in time was advocating violence. And, and Dr. Martin Luther King said, no, we're gonna follow the example of Jesus. We're gonna practice nonviolent, peaceful protests. And as, as he protested in this way, it began to reveal the injustice of the counter-protesters and the police and the National Guard who were coming out and unleashing attack dogs and water cannons and hitting innocent people, right? And the nation had a moment of moral outrage. The nation saw this playing out on TV. And this is one of the famous images from the civil rights movement. The, the nation began to see this and see that these peaceful protesters were being attacked. And what happened? It exposed the injustice in our country. And it had a large part in the Civil Rights Act being signed. See, Jesus, he, he doesn't retaliate, but instead he heals this man. Here he is, he's under attack. He's being arrested. He doesn't retaliate, but instead he heals the very man who was trying to attack him. And do you think that the high priest servant was gonna attack Jesus again after Jesus healed his ear? Do you think he was gonna to try to arrest this man again after Jesus in this act of compassion heals him? No, why? Because the cycle had been broken. The cycle of violence had been broken. The cycle of, of, of aggression had been broken. See, when you follow Jesus's example and you resist the temptation to retaliate, you break the cycle of evil and uncontrolled anger. When someone gossips about you and you refuse to gossip, you break the cycle. When someone is unethical and not fair to you in business and you refuse to sink down to that level and do business that way, you break the cycle. When you are, let's say, married people, when you're during, during going through a difficult season in your marriage and there's tension and you're not getting along and there's silence and you break the silence and you go first and you apologize and you ask for forgiveness, you break the cycle. Do you see it? Jesus understood this. That if you, if you spend all of your time retaliating and worrying about yourself, you'll never break the cycle of evil in, in this world. Here's the second thing. We're talking about how Jesus responded to outrageous incidents, how Jesus responded to situations that triggered anger. Number two, Jesus used his voice to advocate for those in need, not to defend himself. He used his voice. He spoke up, but he used his voice to advocate for those in need, not to defend himself. So it's not that Jesus never got angry. We've already established that. He gets this. He was human, fully God, fully human. He experienced anger, but he got angry about the right things. 
when he opened his mouth, when he vented his anger, he had what we might call a righteous anger. In the very same spirit that we read about in the Old Testament, where God was angered at the unrighteousness in this broken world. And he used his voice to speak up for the voiceless. He used his voice to speak up for the weak and for the marginalized and for those in need. So for example, in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 23, Jesus rebukes the religious leaders for their hypocrisy and self-righteousness. And he gives them seven woes or seven warnings, seven rebukes. And one of the things that he rebukes them for is, is for neglecting the poor, taking advantage of the poor. Look at this, Matthew 23, verse 23. Here's what Jesus said. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. In other words, Jesus, he rebukes the religious leaders because they gave the bare minimum. He saw the selfishness and the hypocrisy and the hardness of their hearts. They gave the bare minimum and they neglected to fulfill the larger duty of justice and mercy and faith and helping marginalized people, helping people in need. In other words, Jesus said, you're trying to get away with doing the bare minimum when you've missed the point that God has called you to practice maximum generosity. Jesus didn't get angry about everyday offenses directed at himself, but he did get angry about injustice that was directed toward people in need, toward the poor, toward widows, toward orphans, toward social outcasts, toward, toward the sick. And here's the point. So many people around us, and honestly, so many times, we, we're the opposite of Jesus. So many people are angry about things that do not matter that do not matter. And most of the time, they're caught up in petty fights that are really about their ego. People are caught up in so, getting sucked into so many, many petty fights at work and online and in their circle of friends and family. They're, they're getting sucked into things that are really just about ego. Why is that? Because they're not in a fight that really matters. So many people are sucked into fights because they're not in a fight that really matters. Let me give you an example. I had a really eye-opening experience the beginning of this year in February, I traveled to Tegucigalpa, Honduras with some of our staff members to visit uh, One Child, a really wonderful ministry that is working in countries all over the world, helping, helping kids in hard places, helping release kids from the cycle of poverty through education, through healthcare, through discipleship. And so uh, we have about 80 different kids being sponsored by generous people like you in our church and so thankful for that. We got to go down and visit our kids and, and a visit with the staff and the pastors and the volunteers there who are working so hard to give these kids hope, working so hard to give these kids who are living in economic conditions that you and I can't even imagine to, to give them a chance, right, to make it in, in this world. And, and so here I am having this amazing experience while I'm there. Now, the weekend before I left for this trip, I coached my son's fifth grade basketball game. So this past season, I coached my son Michael's fifth grade CYO team. We made it all the way to the championship. Amen, somebody. We had a great season. Just saying, we had a great season. And that game, that weekend before we left 
for the trip was a very contentious game. It was a scrappy game. The other team full court pressed us the whole time. There was a lot of fouls, right? There was a couple of technicals called on both sides. At one point in time, one of our players almost got into a fight with another player. I had a parent in the audience yelling at the referees. It was that kind of game. And we won by one point. We shook hands and we got out of there, okay? It was that kind of game, all right? So here I am in Honduras and the... the um, the athletic director for the other team's program emails the head coach of my program complaining about the game, complaining about blah, 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 all this stuff about a fifth grade basketball game. Now get this, here I am, I'm in a third world country where kids are fighting for their lives, fighting for hope, fighting for their future, and American parents back in New York are fighting about a fifth grade basketball game that does not matter. Hello, wake up call. So many people are engaged in a fight that doesn't matter. So many people are looking for a fight because they're not in a fight that matters. Church, it's time to get into a fight that matters. It's time to get into a purpose that's bigger than yourself. It's time to get a purpose that's bigger than yourself. And Jesus invites us into that. I've got good news for you. He invites us into a purpose bigger than yourself. His kingdom, his work, his mission, his legacy in this world, healing broken people, reaching the lost. Jesus didn't always contain his outrage, but when he vented it, he did it in defense of the weak and the oppressed, not in defense of his ego. And I wonder how much of our energy is spent on defending our little fragile egos. I wonder how much drama around us, I wonder how many of the fights and the office gossip and the defensiveness and the social media stuff is really just about our egos. Can I just encourage you today? You don't have to accept every invitation to every fight that you're invited to. You know, you can, you can just pass on, right? You know, you, you don't have to accept every invitation. Jesus didn't accept every invitation to every fight because he had a purpose. He was locked in on the mission of Father God to heal a broken world. He's like, I don't have time for all that distraction. I got a mission. I came to seek and to save the lost. He was in a fight that mattered. And so if you find yourself getting caught up in conflict with people around you, always having to defend yourself on social media, in the office, in your circle of friends, maybe it's time to get a, a cause and a purpose bigger than yourself. Maybe it's time to, to, to listen to me. This sermon isn't for somebody else. It's for you because we all know people who are just sucked into just all with conflict, losing friendships, can't maintain long-term friendships. Maybe Jesus is inviting you to a purpose bigger than yourself, to something worth fighting for. And you know, we try to give you some practical ways to activate that here at Redemption. That's why we invite you to give. Our giving is making a difference all around the world. All around the world, we're touching people and locally here in need. That's why we go out and we do a day like Serve Day yesterday. Shout out to all of our people who served at the spring serve event. I got my blue shirt on today representing, right? So proud of you because what happened? We got out the other day and we just served people in need. And you know what? We blessed them, but the, the bigger blessing is always to us. I told the team yesterday that the project isn't about the project. The project isn't about the other people. The project is about your heart. It's about your heart being expanded when you serve someone else. Here's the third thing. We're talking about how did Jesus respond to outrageous situations. Number three, Jesus channeled his anger to bring about healing. What did Jesus do with his anger? He channeled it in a way to bring about healing. Let me show you a story. And I showed you this story a few weeks ago, but I, I love this. Such a powerful illustration of how Jesus did this from Mark chapter three, verses one through five. Let's look at it. It says, Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. There was a man with a crippled hand. Some of them, this, this means the Pharisees, the religious leaders, 
were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. So the Sabbath was a day of rest from your work, okay? So they wanted to see, is Jesus going to technically break the Sabbath by working to heal this man? Verse 3, Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, um, yes, said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. How many of you know that looks really bad if you don't have an answer to that question? If you can't answer that question and you're a teacher of the religious law, that's not a good look on you, okay? Verse five, Jesus, he looked around them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. So Jesus goes to the the synagogue on, on the Sabbath and there's a man there who needs healing. But all the Pharisees care about is if Jesus is going to violate their narrow, strict interpretation of of the Sabbath by performing a miracle. And so the Sabbath was a day when you were supposed to rest from your work. Rest from your work. It's supposed to be a restorative day, a day that restores your soul, soul, restores one physically. And Jesus says to them, I think you're missing the point. God created the Sabbath to be a blessing right? Do you think the point of the Sabbath is to restore us or not? So if this man is in need, do you think that I should restore him in this moment? Like, do you even understand what the purpose of the Sabbath is? I think you guys are missing the point. And Jesus gets ticked. Come on, how many of you are just blessed by that? How many of y'all just blessed by that? That even Jesus got ticked at other people. Jesus got ticked at church people. That blesses me as a pastor, because every now and then, church people tick me off sometimes. I'm just being honest. (laughs) Jesus got, he gets, he gets ticked off because they're missing the whole point because their hearts were hardened. And Mark tells us that Jesus got angry. Look at verse five. He looked around at them in anger, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Now, the, the New Testament was originally written in Greek and in the original Greek, there's a nuance to the word here translated anger. Jesus's anger was a, a temporary feeling. It came over him and then it left him. Okay? It wasn't like a permanent state. It was something he felt temporarily. See, anger is simply an emotion. It is your body's natural reaction when what you want to happen isn't happening, when your will gets blocked. Anger is it's natural. The problem isn't anger. The problem is so often what we do with our anger. Okay, So Jesus experiences anger. What does he do with his anger? Well, let's look at it. Verse 5. He looked around at them in anger, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Jesus gets angry at these religious leaders because of the hardness of their hearts. Because they were making it so hard for people to have a relationship with Father God because they were oppressing people. And what does he do? Does he lash out at people? Does he start swinging at people? Does he go on social media and rant about it? Does he go off and everybody, does he start cursing all the religious leaders out? No, 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 what does he do? He says to this man, stretch out your hand. And he channels his passion. He channels his righteous anger into an act of healing, into a transformative act of healing and restoration. Church, let me ask you this question. What does your your anger lead to? What does your anger lead to? Because the point is our anger is always going somewhere. Does it lead to the world around you being a better place? The Apostle James put it this way, James chapter 1, verse 20. He said, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. 
And that verse is so convicting to me. So many times when I lose my patience, so many times when I get angry, the Holy Spirit whispers that very verse back to me. The anger of man so often does not accomplish the righteousness of God because every now and then I lose, I lose my patience. Maybe I have a day where I lose my patience with my kids and I get angry. The Holy Spirit so often reminds me, what are you doing with, with your anger? You're not achieving the righteousness of God. Church, what are you doing? What are you doing in this world that we're living in where there's so much contention, where there's so much divisiveness, where we get triggered? where people offend us, where people do us wrong, where there's social injustices that make our blood boil. What are you doing with with that anger? See, our world is so broken and divided and hurting right now. There's, There's so much anger. And sadly, so many people are angry about things that do not even matter. But Jesus invites you and me to follow him. He says, follow me, follow me. He invites us to change the world by turning the other cheek. He invites us to to not raise our our voices to defend ourselves all of the time. Every time somebody does something offensive to us, every time someone says something about us, we're so worried about our ego all the time. No, no. He invites us to raise our voice for the voiceless, for the weak, for the hurting, for those who need a defender. He, He invites us to transform our anger into a passion that brings healing to other people. And maybe... There are some things in this world that you're angry about that are worth being angry about, but what are you going to do with that? Maybe it's time to find a a cause that you're passionate about and and, and pour some time and effort and energy and finances into actually making a difference instead of just being angry about it. And isn't this what Jesus did when he went to the cross for us? Isn't this what Jesus did? He, he, He didn't get caught up in it. He didn't get caught up in all of the people who were criticizing him, all of the people who were slandering his ministry, all the people who actually wanted to kill him. What happened when he went to the cross? He didn't get sucked down into it, but he allowed himself to be nailed to a cross and he literally rose up above it, hanging on a cross, humble, naked, exposed to the world. And what did he do? He broke the cycle of violence. He broke the cycle of hatred. He broke the cycle of outrageous anger. He absorbed it all into himself. He exposed it for what it was, powerless, weak, defeated. And he even prayed for the people, the very people who were killing him. What did he pray? He said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. What a powerful prayer for you and I to grab a hold of. See, it's so easy for us to get sucked down into it, isn't it? The human reaction is to defend yourself. The human reaction is to get even. The human reaction is if somebody gossips about you to gossip back at them. If somebody hits at you to hit back at them. Any of us can do that. That, that, That's the human reaction. But where do we find the power to rise above that? We find the power in the cross of Jesus Christ. We find the power in the gospel. Not to get sucked down into it, but to rise above it and, and to pray. What a powerful prayer to pray. Father, forgive them. For they don't even know what they're doing. How many of you know there are so many people around us who are hurt, who are lashing out at other people, who are angry, and they don't even know why they're angry. It's been said that hurt people hurt people. There are so many people around us who are angry, who are offensive, and what a powerful prayer for you and me to grab a hold of and be able to pray, Father, forgive that person. Forgive that person who came against me. Forgive that person who did me wrong in that way. Forgive 
that person who injured me. Forgive that person who said that about me for they don't even know what they're doing. They can't even see it, God, but you see it and you see my heart and you're a good and righteous judge. And Jesus, I want to be like you. I don't want to get sucked down in it, but I want to rise up above it by your grace, by your power, by your spirit. And so here's here's the final thought today. Jesus invites us to rise above the anger around us so we can bring healing to people who need it, who need us, people who need us, amen? Come on, we're living in such a broken world right now, such a broken world right now. The last thing people need us to do is to sink down, look to the level of the aggression, to the level of all the outrage around us, but he's calling us to be those who can rise above it so that we can bring healing to people who need us, amen? Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to pray about that. Come on, we're going to ask God to help us today. Stand with me. Just bow your head in prayer. I believe God's speaking to our hearts today. Maybe today there's somebody right now, you're in a conflict right now. Maybe you're in a difficult business deal. Maybe you're in a difficult marriage situation. Maybe somebody gossiped about you in the office place. Maybe somebody hurt you and you're carrying around some hurt. Maybe somebody did you wrong and you feel that very real right now. And today we're going to take that to God and ask him. We're going to ask him to help us today. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who gets us, who, who's had every experience we've experienced as human beings. And even Jesus, you experienced anger. You know what it is to have people criticize you. You know what it is to have people do you wrong to do injustice towards you. But yet you forgave and you didn't retaliate. Jesus, make us more like you today. Somebody needs to grab a hold of that prayer. Jesus, make us more like you. Help us to forgive. Help us to forgive and not to retaliate. Lord, we even pray your prayer. Father, forgive that person for they know not what they do. Oh, somebody needs to pray that today. There's a name, there's a face right now. There's an offense. Father, forgive that person broken in their own sinfulness for they know they don't even know what they're doing we release them into your hands to your grace by your grace lord today remind us that we have a greater purpose we don't have to go through this life defending ourselves but jesus you've you've called us to follow you to build your kingdom to be your people in this world and lord you've called us to get into a fight that's worth fighting Lord, to bring healing to a broken world. Lord, today we're asking for your help to rise above the anger so that we can bring healing to people around us. Use our lives, Father, to be a part of the solution to bring healing to a broken world. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.